folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to come talking to you from my new apartment. I am, I am now living with my brother in a new complex. We are both very excited for this change. We are both in a, in a really good spot, I think, where... Uh, living together. I've got a good relationship with him. I'm in a place that I think is very convenient for going to Ball Arena, also very convenient for his work. Uh, we're going to be living together for a while, and I'm just I'm really excited for what's to come because I think this is a good place for me to continue to make content, but also to continue to uh, become a better, more holistic person in general, like kind of get my mind right in some other ways. Uh, really struggled with that over the course of the last year as I just continued to kind of dedicate myself more and more towards Nugget stuff. Started losing focus of some other things. So I'm excited to kind of turn the page a little bit, really excited for this opportunity. Of course, with the move, I was definitely uh, at a disadvantage when it comes to Summer League. I'm, I'm struggling on a on a poor Wi-Fi connection right now. Uh, the new apartment is very echoey right now, so I apologize if the reverberation is definitely impactful as we get more furniture into this place and hopefully kind of deaden the noise just a little bit. That's my goal. But those are small details within the grand scheme of things. I am excited to get back and talking about the Nuggets. Did not watch a bunch of the first Summer League game, but caught the entirety of the second Summer League game. I think the first two segments here are going to be about that, going to be about the players, not necessarily about the games themselves, but just like what each of these players is showing, how Nuggets fans should probably feel at this stage, or at least I, how I feel at this stage, and I'm just going to relay my thoughts to you, and we're just going to go from there. So should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Again, apologize if there are any technical difficulties in the new place. Uh, I will get that rectified as soon as possible. Let's start in the first segment by talking about each of Denver's draft picks, and then we will go to the other guys in the second segment. First, we'll talk about Christian Brown. The first thing that really pops out when watching Christian Brown over the course of these last two, again, I did catch segments of the first game, the winning skill set and the mentality. And what I really mean by that is that when the jumper isn't falling, when when the outside shot isn't working as well as it probably could, Christian Brown is still making things work. He's still making positive plays. He was 4 of 18 in the game against Cleveland, but I believe he had five assists. His defense was pretty good. And that's all you're really looking for at this stage, where you're trying to find a player that is ready to play now. And sometimes players go through shooting slumps. Sometimes players aren't as effective as they probably could be in that scheme. Christian Brown strikes me as a player that is going to find his niche, that's going to find his role within a system, and is going to accentuate what other players do well. He might not be the star, and him being kind of the first option in this in this setting is not really conducive to looking good at least from a shooting perspective. But as he finds easier and easier shots when playing with guys like Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Bones Highland, etc., he will definitely grow, and he's definitely going to get into a better rhythm. 
he's going to need to be in a better rhythm, especially as a shooter too. One of the things that you see is some record scratch moments where he's not necessarily fully comfortable taking the shot, might might hesitate just a little bit with his jumper. That's fine. It's it's definitely something to get used to when he doesn't shoot as often as he does in summer league right now. But that can't happen when it comes to the NBA. When he's he's asked to fill a role, there are certain times where you have to shoot the basketball. The play is designed to get an open three or a cutter or something like that. And then if the play generates an open shot for you, you have to be willing to make that play. And he has some record scratch moments. And it's probably coming because he's he hasn't shot the ball really efficiently from the outside. I think it was like one of six in the first game, O of eight in the second game. So he's going through a little bit of a slump here, but... He will get better. He's a a pretty solid shooter. I think it's going to be more of a confidence thing as as he kind of moves along. But he does attack the basket well and kind of make up for it in that regard. Definitely finds the seams within the defense pretty well. Is a good cutter, especially kind of a slasher when it comes to passing the ball across the the lane a little bit. Or not not across the lane, kind of from slot to slot, basically above the three-point line. And then he cuts and kind of slashes into the paint. That's a pretty good attack. That's a pretty good way to use his athleticism getting to the rim. What I will say is that the wingspan thing is definitely an issue in some ways. As a defender, as somebody who moves his feet and stays in front of people, not as much of an issue. I think as as a fundamental defender, he's going to be fine. When he's trying to score over people, and when he can't quite get all the way to the rim to take advantage of the 40-inch vertical that he has, I do think that he's in a situation where sometimes he could get caught. Sometimes he can get uh, to a place where he, he's firing up a contested layup that he can't quite get the added range to, to kind of maneuver the ball around the contest, around the defender. And those defenders are just going to get more and more athletic as he raises his level. So I do think that it's something to watch, and we're going to see what it looks like. But Michael Malone on the broadcast said he's a guy that the Nuggets believe can be a plug-and-play guy. And I agree. I I definitely agree. He's going to make a lot of sense in a lot of bench guard, uh, three-guard lineups with, uh, let's go, uh, Bones, Bruce Brown, and... Christian Brown. Like that's that's a pretty solid trio. Bones is going to be your main creator, but like let's say Brown is a screener at some points, and then Christian Brown is a cutter. I would say Bruce and Christian. That's probably how we're gonna to have to go through it now. Uh, but Bruce as a screener in a one-two pick and roll, and then Christian Brown kind of spotting up in the wing, but also kind of as a cutter, that leaves Zeke Najdi and Jeff Green kind of spotting up. Maybe vacating the paint, leaving that open for guys like Bones Highland and Bruce Brown to really take advantage. And that's probably the way that Denver's going to have to run their stuff. So Christian Brown, if they do run a five-out system, he is going to be effective as a cutter. Not necessarily as effective in a summer league setting because it's still a little bit congested in there, but I do think that he can be successful. We're just going to have to see it. Nothing in Summer League has really dissuaded me from thinking that he could be an impact guy right away, but it might be 
500 minutes as opposed to 1,000. All right, now Peyton Watson, tale of two games, right? First game, I didn't watch a ton of, but I did see a lot of clips, and it wasn't good. Like I think the first game just showed how raw he was and then how much he still has to go, where you have lots of turnovers, missed outside shots, couldn't really finish at the rim in that game. Second game, he finished at the rim really well, uh, was very, very good, kind of as an all-around scorer, playmaker off the dribble for himself and others had the defensive impact they were looking for. He had it in the first game, but it didn't feel as impactful as it did in this one. And you can just see the vision of what the Nuggets are looking for in a guy like Peyton. Very few true 6'7 to 6'9 small forwards in the NBA right now. You have these big wings, guys that can really switch everything. Guys like Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Scotty Barnes, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Chris Middleton, Andrew Wiggins, Herb Jones, Franz Wagner, Brandon Ingram, OG Ananobi, Kelly Oubre. Those are probably the best physical comps that you can come up with for a Peyton Watson. He's got the long arms. He's got the long limbs, about 200 pounds right now. Some of those guys are bigger. Some of them are smaller. But it does sort of feel like Peyton Watson he, he is that guy that you can take a chance on from that physical perspective. Denver has 3.5s in Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. If Peyton Watson hits, then you can definitely see a lineup where Denver plays Watson and Aaron Gordon together. And Denver has just this spectacular switching defense where you can really just wreak havoc on opposing teams. You could have Peyton Watson and Michael Porter where Watson is the more defensive guy and Michael Porter's the more offensive guy. And you just blitz the hell out of teams in a lot of different ways. He gives you that added positional versatility that I think Calvin Booth is just really looking for. So it's a definitely understandable selection. I won't like bemoan that. And especially with where the, the draft board was, I understand why they went that direction for sure. I do still have concerns. I do still think that he has such a long way to go in a lot of his other skills. And while he he did show some improvement from the first game to the second game, I'm just going to have to see it with a little bit more consistency because this is it's not really surprising to see flashes like this. This is what you would want to see. If you never saw a flash from him, that would be really concerning. But now you did, and now you know he can get to that level. He can be a quality small forward at the NBA level. Now it's just about finding the consistency and finding the reps to be able to get to that point. Herb Jones wasn't Herb Jones until kind of later in the year. Like he started and showed some flashes at the beginning of his rookie season, but then by the end of it, he was a completely different player. He improved so much throughout the year with opportunity. Peyton Watson's not going to improve that much, I don't think, but he's also 19. And Herb Jones was 22. So there's still a long way for Peyton Watson to go. And I do think that it's a good investment for Denver to try. Finally, Ishmael Kamigate. Ishmael, excuse me. Uh, super, super impressive. I think that he's a guy that could play as Denver's backup center pretty soon. Maybe not tomorrow, but like give him a training camp, give him some preseason games, let him kind of ease himself into it. And I think he could do it. Mobile and athletic 
above the rim and side to side. This is what you're looking for when you're trying to become a more athletic, more switching defense. I've talked about this before, but defense, in my opinion, it's it's mostly about how comfortable you are defending within a certain amount of space, as well as how far your range extends and covering as much space as possible. A guy like Nikola Jokic, he doesn't have that much space that he covers. Like there are certain, there's a certain range where if he's within that range, then he's really good. But push him outside of that comfort zone, and it can get a little bit dicey. Uh, a guy like Joel Embiid, his range is a little bit wider than that, where he can be still a very high level player, but he doesn't often extend beyond that range. So still has some of those same limitations. Kamigate, I think he's going to have a wider range than Jokic. I'm not sure if it's going to be as wide as Joel Embiid. He's not that quite that physically imposing because he's only 225 right now, but it does seem to me like Kamigate could be a very, very strong defensive player. He has a larger area of coverage than the other centers in this draft class outside of a guy like Chet Holmgren. And Chet has been fantastic in terms of help side blocking and trying to recover for a bunch of rejections. He's been fantastic at that. Now, Kamigate did stumble a bit, kind of on an island in isolation on a crossover by a Cleveland player earlier in this in the, the first quarter. Kind of stumbled, kind of put his hand on the floor. Not a great look, but it was one play. And for the vast majority of these games, he's been very, very impressive. Very much a strong uh, pick and roll, drop coverage type of center that can do a little bit more than drop coverage. Definitely got some... Uh, Caught block hunting at times where he wants to kind of go chase the block and kind of get the rejection, kind of like a JaVale McGee, and then he will give up an easy dunk or put back to his own man because that he has just rotated over and kind of vacated the lane in that case. But I do think that just like he's only missed one shot in two games and it's just been very efficient, very effective in the minutes that Denver has seen him. So he's only attempted nine shots so far. So I'd like to see him push his limits just a little bit more just to see what his kind of uh, threshold is. But he just seems like a really good teammate, somebody that the Nuggets are going to love to have and they're they're eventually going to have him. I think he's talented enough that he can come over. Uh, He runs the floor really hard even if you might not get the ball. like It just seems like he's a good player to have for sure. Love his hustle. Five offensive rebounds. Very solid. Uh, he has some skill as well, so hopefully we get to see it over the course of these next few games. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the Nuggets Summer League roster. But first, summer is here, and there's no better way to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your bets up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
Ryan Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always, folks. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. That would be fantastic. Really helps me out and really uh, uh, just helps spread the program as much as, you, as much as I possibly can. So that would be fantastic. All right, let's talk about just a few other players on the Nuggets Summer League roster and just kind of some of the takeaways that we've had from the first couple games here. There's going to be more takeaways to be had for sure. Games three, four, and five are going to come. And we're going to be able to see uh, what some of these other guys can do because Kamigate, he's probably going to be uh, not on his two-way. He's probably going to be on a draft and stash. But the other guys, uh, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, they have first-round contracts. So they are definitely going to be on the team. We don't know about the rest of these guys other than Colin Gillespie. and he's a, He just seems like a very strong candidate to be more than just a two-way contract going forward, but we will see. Colin Gillespie gives me some Monte Morris vibes. Uh, not necessarily in – like it may not be fair – to completely do that because I do think that Monte Morris was just a little bit more steady, a little bit more dynamic when he was at Summer League. I could be wrong about that or misremembering, but it does sort of seem to me like Monte with Colin. Like he's a very good shooter on and off the ball, does a lot of good stuff as a decision maker, a lot of good stuff as a movement shooter, but also an attacker. Size and athleticism, definitely going to be his biggest challenge, no doubt. Uh, some guys were kind of shooting right over him for, for, from three, and that kind of gave me some Faku vibes, and, but also Monte, because remember the playoffs where uh, Golden State was kind of running their actions, and Jordan Poole was kind of separating from Monte pretty easily, and Clay Thompson was shooting right over him, no problem. So Colin Gillespie definitely feels like a guy that could be in that situation. But he's definitely still a good bet to make. Uh, he's going to be a guy that if he continues to be a positive impact guy, he's going to turn out to be a backup point guard. There's there's no doubt about it. Like Very steady, very reasonable option. Going to make a lot of money within the NBA as he continues to uh, set the table for NBA offenses. We'll see if that actually ends up happening, but... He does seem to me like a guy that can both play with the ball in his hands, but also go off the ball and be a very comfortable shooter uh, for a 38 to 40% kind of three-point shot. That's that's good enough. Definitely good enough. Matt Mitchell, he's been getting the starts next to the other Nuggets guys. Not really surprised by that. Uh, it does sort of seem to me like... He hasn't really stood out as much as I or others kind of rooting for him might have hoped for. He's fine. He's not really spectacular in any one situation, but he's pretty solid at most things. Uh, Good rebounder for his size for sure. Uh, Has some good attacks to the basket. Uh, Good defense at times. Not necessarily all the time, but he's had some plays, some moments, I think, where other players uh, will kind of get around him athletically, and he's just not really able to keep up in some situations, that's going to chase him around. Like, I think the comparison that I made on the last podcast to him was Jay Sean Tate 
Tate was a better athlete, and he, he, he showed that pretty consistently at the NBA level. So Matt Mitchell, he's going to have to shoot the ball. He's going to have to shoot it better and kind of make up for it in other ways. So he can get to that little fallaway shot that he has in the lane. He was doing that off of closeouts, uh, kind of attacking middle. Not necessarily the most efficient shot, but if he gets to it, it's a good counter when you're going up against size and athleticism for sure. I'm going to need to see more from him, though. Definitely seems like a player that uh, if he has a big breakout game in games three, four, and five, then he could make a big impression, but we will see. Adonis Arms. Effortless length and athleticism. Really profiles as a guy that is going to be strong in transition at the NBA level. Going to be a player who, if he understands his role, and kind of hits that complementary skill set where he could be a little bit more of a playmaker. He doesn't necessarily have to be entirely three and D. Like he can have like he, he showed off some pretty good passing when he was at Texas Tech. And I think he could probably do the same in summer league if he handled the ball just a little bit more. But he's gonna to need to be really solid defensively. And I think he is, especially when playing passing lanes. Just somebody that the Nuggets Given how focused they have been trying to get wings in the building, another good bet to make. Uh, very strong, very athletic. Hit his three-point shots, or at least enough of his three-point shots to really be successful. He's going to need to shoot to make his mark in the NBA. If he doesn't get above 35%, then I think teams are going to be willing to replace him. They're going to be willing to go in other directions. He's a little bit older right now. Maybe not the best defender, though he is very solid. And I do think that he's going to have to show out in that, in that regard as well. Like He could either get to that elite defensive level or he has to get his shooting up to an adequate level. But if he does, if he does one of the two, he's definitely an NBA player. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the athleticism sort of papers over a lot of issues, and that's kind of how it is with a lot of people. So not really surprised that the Nuggets gave him an opportunity based off of what we've seen. And if we continue to see more good things from him, maybe he gets that last two-way spot. You never know. Now let's go to Jack White, who I think I would just label as a good basketball player. Like there's definitely some versatility to his game, definitely some willingness to do a bunch of different things. Very meh numbers in the first game where his role just wasn't that large. He wasn't uh, very involved in what the Nuggets were doing with their second unit last game. But in the second game, he had eight points, 15 rebounds, two assists, one steal, and three blocks in 21 minutes. It's unbelievable. That's, that's a really impressive uh, array of numbers for sure. 15 rebounds is not an accident either. Like you could just tell that he's a professional player because he seems to understand the pace of the game and where he can best to make an impact. We're going to have to see more, obviously. It's only been two games, but good things have happened when he was involved. He was very good, both on-ball and off-ball, as a defender tonight. Really something that you don't normally see from a player where you get that kind of statistical production. That's what I mean. Most of the time, the guys that are 
like extremely productive like that, or they kind of uh, sag off a little bit on the defensive end. Jack White was very good, very solid. Probably not the greatest athlete in terms of vertical athleticism, but as long as he can mirror people on and off the ball and then put himself into a good position to help when it comes to help side defense, that's fine. That's all it is. I want to see more. I want to see if he continues on this or if that was just kind of a flash in the pan game. But he does seem like a keeper, if he, especially if he keeps this up right now. Two more before we hit another break. Jonte Porter kind of gets an incomplete grade, I would say. Not a ton of minutes in the first game. He did start over Ismael Kamigate, but he barely played in the second game. I think he played like one minute, 20 seconds or something. And I don't know if you even recorded a stat, but hit a couple threes in the first game, showed a little bit of basketball IQ, didn't really show that much else. And it was only 13 minutes. So I am curious to see how his body is sort of responding and if the reason why he only played one minute was because Denver was trying to do different rotations or if it was because he wasn't feeling good, like his body wasn't up to it. So I have to imagine that they just would have sat him if his body wasn't up to it, but it's something that I at least question given that he went from starting to not playing at all. So we will see. We will see what it looks like, but incomplete grade for Jonte Porter. I do want to root for him. Like I think he's he's fantastic. And the way that he plays basketball, I think is very good. I think it's a very impressive skill set and a skill set that most teams should want to have on their team. So we will see if he kind of maintains that. But last one here, Kellen Grady. Uh, need to see more from him. He kind of had the the shooters a reputation, but he hasn't shot the ball well, not as advertised anyway. So need to see more, need to see a little bit more from him just to see if he is a great shooter or not. But uh, this is kind of that opportunity. It's an unfortunate one where all you can do is really go off of the data that they have. But I do think that Denver probably needs to see a little bit more from him as a shooter if they are going to believe in him to kind of get him a two-way spot. But as it were right now, I think I would give the two-way spot to Jack White with Adonis Arms coming in second. Do think that, I do think that those guys have really separated themselves in this process so far. Uh, it's not my call, obviously. I could just kind of give my outsider opinion on it. But Jack White sort of feels like the guy that you would want to kind of fill in the gaps on your team where he's a player who can just step up in a lot of different situations and be a guy who can fill any gap that you need to, whether it's as a shooter, whether it's as a rebounder, a defender, a connector, whatever it is, I think he's a guy that could really find a way to make an impact for a team. So we'll see if there's more of that, but for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the the healthy nuggets. I mentioned this in the last podcast, or I talked about it in the last podcast, but there's been a lot of discussion lately about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter getting healthy. We'll be right back.
final segment, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I want to kind of close on, on this uh, this sort of news, this rumors. Not like it's not like anything major that's being reported here, but there's just been a lot of discussion over the course of these last couple days, kind of as I've been moving, and so I haven't really been able to comment on it that much. That Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. seem to be getting right back to where they need to be in terms of being healthy, capable contributors at the levels that they were. And obviously, this takes time. I'm never going to just immediately try to get them to be the players that they were right before they went down. But it does seem like things are kind of moving in that direction where the Nuggets can feel like they are fully healthy for the first time in a long time. It's going to be a nice feeling, going to be a nice thing for, and kind of knock on wood here, uh, that that is actually something that Denver can do. But I do think that it's something that they could potentially look forward to. So Murray hasn't spoken publicly about this. There's, there's more clips of him kind of getting back out there, getting his bounce back. Uh, he had this opposite arm windmill dunk that the Nuggets posted, or maybe it was Mike Singer. One of the two, but it was just really impressive. Like you never like you see the windmill dunk where you kind of set up to have a right-handed windmill by hit going right left and then opening up your hips to the right, but he opened it up his hips to the right with the same footwork and then did it with his left hand kind of against the grain. It was very, very impressive. You don't usually see that from a guy that is just like that's hurt. Like, so I'm going to just go out there and say that he's probably feeling pretty good. Uh, Saw him in practice as well before they went to uh, Summer League. And I do think that he's just just playing well, just in a situation where the Nuggets feel very comfortable about his progress. Michael Malone talked about it on the broadcast that he was talking about the same five-on-five session that he talked about locally, but they're in a good spot. And the Nuggets are in a good spot specifically where you're talking about Jamal Murray coming back to being Jamal Murray. And it's not really a surprise to see him doing well because it's 15 months after the fact. But he's like, I don't know what it would have been like if he had tried to come back early. If he had tried to fight through that to be playing like on a on an unhealthy ACL. But I do know that I feel pretty good about Denver's chances going into next year. Now that the Nuggets are in a situation where they could have rest, they can rest them throughout last year and then hit the ground running this time. The same can be said for Michael Porter Jr., where he's doing well and it's not really a surprise, but it's still, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to see. Jonte shared that he was doing well. Michael Malone shared that he was doing well on the broadcast. I think Michael Porter spoke to Mike Singer. That he shared that he feels like he's 100%. There's no pain in his back right now, which is awesome. That's the, the worst thing that, that would be. As somebody who has had surgery and still has pain uh, in my right throwing shoulder, because uh, I used to pitch and I used to throw the football very far, I recently tried to throw a football again and it did not go well. Um but yeah, like it's it's just a good thing for him that he's not having any pain because it will debilitate him if he has to have pain again. 
This is why I maintain that Denver should continue to keep him on a treatment plan throughout the year, uh, a, a load management schedule, if you will, where you limit the stress on his back throughout the season. You don't want him playing 82 games. That would be dumb. There's no reason, especially if you have championship aspirations. You're trying to extend his career. You're trying to extend Denver's championship window. There's no seed that you have to achieve in order to be the best that you can be. Though you should try to obviously get home court advantage and things like that. Like, But your normal talent level should show through in situations like that. So I do think that it's a likely thing that Denver gets to see him go full go in those minutes. And he's going to be a force. Denver's going to be a force in those situations where Murray and Porter are coming back. Talked about this obviously last week, but or maybe it was earlier this week. Um, last year, Murray and Porter combined for a total of 265 minutes. That was all MPJ. It was basically 30 minutes per game for nine games. We're pretty close to it. And Murray didn't play at all. This year, kind of setting a comfortable projection for those guys at around 3,600 minutes. That's 1,800 apiece. And I broke that down basically 30 minutes per game for each of them for 60 games. Relatively easy baseline. Means you get to miss 22 games and still be fine. The projections aren't super high. And it's very possible that both of them could beat that, where they each play about 2,000 minutes or 2,200 minutes or something like that, where they feel great. I don't think that Denver should be trying to do that. I really just think that Denver has to get to the playoffs healthy and they have to be in a situation where they could maximize their talent. But when you get to that point, then you're going to be pretty special because so many of Denver's lineups now where last year they had to put out some of these dead lineups uh, where Faku running the point, Jermichael Green is the center, and there's just nothing in between that they are really excited about. And Denver would just be sunk in those situations. This point, they can now put together something a little bit more potent, where you mix in Murray, Porter, and Jokic for all 48 minutes, where you have plenty of scoring, you have Bones running the point as the backup. Got a lot of different optionality. At some point, I'm going to rank my top 10 most interesting Nuggets lineups, which I think will probably include Christian Brown in one of those. Will probably include uh, Michael Porter in several of them. And just like kind of spread out the love a little bit. But I do think at this stage, Last year, Denver won 48 games. They had a point differential of about 47, a 47-win team. This year, that number's definitely going up. There's no doubt in my mind. I'd wager it gets to about 54 wins, possibly more, and the seed obviously doesn't matter, but and whether it means Denver's even ready for the playoffs, I, I don't really know. But they're going to be a more talented team. There's no doubt about that. There's no question in my mind that the Nuggets are ready from a talent perspective. That's the most important thing at this stage. That's all Denver can help. That's all that they have tried to do is they've tried to assemble the most talented roster. They had to sacrifice a little bit of it financially with uh, Monte Morris, Will Barton. They had to sacrifice Jermichael Green. But you're in a situation where you believe in the rest of the talent as a supporting cast. And if guys like Christian Brown, Peyton Watson... Ismail Kamigate, 
maybe there's another two-way guy that really steps up, puts himself into a position where they're a full-time contract guy by the end of the year. Maybe that's all Denver needs. But you got to maximize everything, and I do think that Denver has. I think they're in a situation now where Nuggets fans can feel really good. They can feel good going into a season. That Denver, they're not behind the eight ball this time around. They've been behind the eight ball several times. Uh, I think 2019-20 was the last time that they weren't because 2020-21 was when Jeremy Grant left and they were kind of working in Michael Porter as a starter at that point. 21-22 last year, you didn't have Jamal Murray and it was clear that Michael Porter was kind of inhibited from a physical standpoint and it turned out to be very prescient. This year, you're hoping that Jamal is ready to go. Michael's ready to go. Nicole is ready to go. Brought in KCP to be the starter. Michael Mullen said that on the broadcast. You've got Aaron Gordon, who you feel very comfortable with. So I think Denver's in a great position to succeed. They had the starters last year. The only returning starters this year are Aaron Gordon and Nicole Jokic. Jamal Murray, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter. That's a pretty potent front or a pretty potent backline. And the Nuggets should be really, really excited for that prospect. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll probably recap uh, Nuggets Game 3 in terms of Summer League and probably talk to somebody who is at Summer League during that stretch uh, just to see how everything is going and see what the what the extra juicy, juicy news is. That should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.